0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everyone, to the 167th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms of Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. In a world where tweens and teens prefer online communication over face-to-face communication, Basic social skills are not being learned. My guest today, Katherine Newman, is the author of What Can I Say? A Kid's Guide to Super Useful Social Skills to Help You Get Along and Express Yourself. Middle school is an essential time to learn and practice social skills, including how to get along with others, talk about hard things, be an ally and a good friend, And what can I say, Catherine Newman provides supportive guidance to help kids establish and maintain meaningful relationships with friends, teachers, family members, and others in their communities. Catherine Newman is the author of the award-winning bestseller, How to Be a Person, as well as two parenting memoirs, Waiting for Birdie and Catastrophic Happiness, and a middle-grade novel, One Mixed-Up Night. She is also the co-author of Stitch Camp. Newman is the etiquette columnist for Real Simple Magazine and the editor of the James Beard award-winning kids cooking magazine, Chop Chop. Newman lives in Amherst, Massachusetts with her family. So welcome Catherine. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so glad that you're here. So the question that I ask all my guests is, are you a mom? And if so, what are the ages of your kids?
0: Okay, I am a mom. And my kids are, believe it or not, I say to myself, 22 and 19.
1: Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I have a daughter who's 26.
0: Oh my gosh. It's it's all the cliches. I just am like a font of cliches of how I just feel like they were in my arms a minute ago. But we don't even need to start down that particular (laughs) road.
1: That's great. All right. So you have a new book coming out. What can I say? So can you tell us why you wrote the book and what it's about?
0: Absolutely. The subtitle of that book is A Kid's Guide to Super Useful Social Skills to Help You Get Along and Express Yourself. Well, there's a couple of reasons. One is that I wrote this book, how to be a person that has a lot of practical skills and a little bit of social skills. And we got a lot of mail from kids wanting more social skills. How do I make small talk with my grandma? How do I ask a boy out on a date? You know, they wrote a lot. So we were thinking about that. And then with the pandemic, we are feeling like kids have really been cheated of some of the important years of practicing these skills, that they're just skills like any other skills. I mean, you're a therapist, you obviously understand this, that social skills are just skills. They're teachable, learnable, but you have to practice them. And so we were feeling like, wouldn't it be nice to invite kids in kind of a fun, low key, low pressure way to learn and practice some social skills to make their relationships kind of more robust and more pleasurable and healthier and more generous.
1: Yes. So who did you write the book for? Like what age? What kind so of kid?
0: I the great question. I think of it as a book for like ten to fourteen year olds. But I think the truth is, younger kids will pick it up because it has really awesome illustrations, which I did not do. Debbie find did them; they're amazing. And I think older kids will pick it up because lifelong learning about how to be a person who knows what to say or how to nurture their relationships. Those are just skills that don't go away. I'm still working on those skills. I'm sure all your people are always working on these skills. And then also the fact is that kids come to this book. Kids, There are kids who aren't going to be neurotypical. There are kids who are going to be on the autism spectrum. So we don't assume a single reader. We feel like we want you just to like join us wherever you're at so like there's a big thing about eye contact which like I always want I almost called this book look up because I feel like the sort of head down everybody on their phone like I feel like the first step is just like, is just look up, you know, like, and I remind myself to do it. Somebody gets home, look up, stand up, you know, put your phone down and then make eye contact. But the truth is lots of kids can't make eye contact. That's okay. You know, like kids who are on the autism spectrum, that is like a long-term goal. That's not like, oh, you remind them and then they can do it. That's totally fine. If you can't do it, That's fine. You have other things you're bringing to the table that are going to be wonderful. So we're trying not to presume that everybody has the same skill set that they're bringing.
1: Yeah. So that's what I absolutely loved about your book is that you are teaching the social skills because I know as a therapist that kids can learn social skills. And a lot of times they feel like they can't. And it's really gotten bad after the pandemic because I think kids... That I would say are medium to introverted kids. Yeah. They are really comfortable now being by themselves and just being online. Yeah. And being around people now is uncomfortable and having face-to-face communication is uncomfortable. And as you know, the research shows even before the pandemic that kids, tweens, teens prefer online communication over face-to-face communication.
0: Yes. And I will say at the risk of saying the obvious to you, a therapist, that the research also reminds us that even for introverts, and this is a detail that I like to share, The brain chemistry, the way you release dopamine, oxygen, the feel-good brain chemicals that make life worth living, those are really released in our face-to-face social interactions. And that is even true for introverts. I just love that detail. And so we really need our kids for their happiness and well-being but for their mental health we need them to be in relationship with other people we need them to be in the world in relationships and we need to demystify what that looks like it's not a mysterious it doesn't come in through the water they it's okay if they don't know already if they didn't learn they're just skills they can be broken down into actually manageable learnable skills and that's my hope and feeling about it
1: Yeah, I see a lot of moms who are shocked that their kids don't know these social skills. Because I do think as adults, we assume our kids know some of these basic skills. Yeah. And they don't. So can you talk about some of the basic skills you address in the book?
0: Sure. Yeah, the book has a little bit of like a trajectory we really crowdsourced a huge laundry list of skills that kids wanted to learn and then tried to figure out that there was a moment where we thought about just putting them all in in like random order. And then that just didn't make any sense. It was so chaotic. And so we just tried to think about like almost starting small and moving into bigger higher stakes, more difficult, more conceptual skills as the book progresses. So it really starts with like, hi, I'm Catherine, you know, the basic, like how do you meet somebody for the first time? And then it moves into like, how do you have a conversation? Which as you know, as a therapist, that requires like a bunch of different skills, like expressing curiosity and listening, like, and the back of the mysterious back and forth of the conversation. And then it moves into our other relationships with people of sort of basic, I think of these as basic people skills, compromising, um, giving someone the benefit of the doubt, the assumption we want our kids and everyone in our lives to have, that. you don't always know what someone else is experiencing and that you could kind of meet them halfway. And then the hard things, that's its own, it starts to get a little harder. How do you apologize, forgive, you know, move on, express anger. How to be in a romantic relationship. This, we did not know where to put the the kids wanted it. Or not be in a romantic relationship, which is an equally valuable enterprise. I just want to say, and I really believe that. That's fine. It's not everybody's path. It's certainly not every middle grade kid's path. And then bigger questions about how to be supportive. How to be a supportive friend. How to be a supportive ally and community member. And ultimately, It ends with this very big leaning chapter called how to care for your community about being a a good neighbor and a good citizen.
1: Yeah, no, it's wonderful. I liked how you started basic. What I can tell you is that a lot of kids don't know the basic. Right. And a lot of times I will teach kids basic things like looking a kid in the eye and why don't you say hi or hello? Even the basic is not known. Yeah. So I think this is super helpful. Also, I'm curious. So did you poll a lot of kids or how did you get the information?
0: Yeah. So on the one hand, we just amassed the requests. So we knew we were going to deal with the requests we gotten from the how to be a person book. And then my kids, I've always lived since my kids were it basically middle graders. We have had like a house full of teenagers for the better part of the last 15 years. And so I'm just constantly pulling kids, my kids, friends, my friends, kids, and then putting questions out into the world over Facebook. And also I write This is going to, you have to stay with me here because it's going to (laughs) sound not relevant, but I write the real simple etiquette column. I've done that for 10 years, not like the salad fork etiquette, but really like, how do you maintain and build relationships? And basically this book for kids is microcosm of 10 years of writing that column. It's all the same skills and the same issues and it's Mm. other people are different from you. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're in a marriage, you know that that's true, (laughs) and their otherness can be so maddening. But it's also the thing that gives our lives value and meaning is the fact that everybody is not just us. So how do you deal with that at every level? That's what the column always has been. Right, my neighbor. It's always like this (laughs) other person, like my in-laws. You know, whatever. But it all, all distills always down to these skills that are in this book for kids. And so that was another, for me, another touchstone was just like, what are the skills adults need? You know, and how to mm-hmm. you start thinking about teaching them to kids and and teaching kids empathy? Because the truth is, if there was one skill that would help you in almost every situation, and I loosely call it a skill that the getting in the habit of saying what does it feel like to be this other person Mm -hmm. to to extending your curiosity to that question what does that feel like to be them that's like gonna answer 85 percent of your questions about what to say and how to be in the world
1: yeah you just answered a question that I don't have to ask now Oh, sorry (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it's great. It's like, what do you think is the most important or basic skill? But what I actually did see that the heart of a lot of these skills was empathy.
0: I'm really a- glad you saw that, by the way, that I find that just really reassuring because it's not mentioned by name that much. I, sometimes it is, but I'm glad you see it as a thread in the book because that would be my hope.
1: Yeah. Perspective taking, empathy. A lot of people will say that you can't teach kids empathy. And of course I disagree. So what would you say to that? Mm,
0: I disagree too. I think, you know, you can't teach someone a feeling, but you can certainly reinforce the habits and the actions that will help you develop that feeling. And, you know, empathy, again, I'm self-conscious like talking to a therapist because don't be self-conscious your bread and butter, but <laughs> I always want to reassure kids like that first time that your mom smiled at you and you smiled back, that's empathy already. Like you're hardwired to reflect how other people are feeling, to see it and reflect it. That is just human connection. It's It seems like magic and part of it is magic and part of it is just we just are wired to do it. So you can stray from it or you can be tick-tocked half to death and feel like you don't remember. (laughs) It's fine. It's totally okay. It's a really, so I really believe in teaching it. I believe in teaching the imaginative exercise of just what does it feel like to be that person, (laughs) reminding yourself, you know, there's a great illustration. I'm trying to think of the Person, I think her last name might be Hazel, or maybe her first name is Hazel, but it's this illustration of a of like 20 people waiting at a bus stop. And she has inscribed beneath each person what they're in the middle of going through. Some of them Mm. are good, some of them are hard. And Mm. it's this amazing visual reminder that you really don't know what people are going through. And the more and you can teach kids to remember that and to ask questions and to say, what can I do to help? And I feel like that question, how can I help as a habit that really develops, um, a kind of empathic connection to people, whether or not you feel like you've mastered that experience.
1: Yeah. And I think that's why I really like your book because you take something that could be so complicated and you make it very, a specific step that someone could do.
0: I'm really glad that would be my actual greatest hope. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and I do, I will say that the illustrations really work with your words very well in terms of giving the message. So I think they're great.
0: I'm so glad. That's my hope. I mean, she just really is like such an intuitive, empathic person. So I feel like it just is reflected. Yeah,
1: no, it's, it's a great combo. I really liked chapter three, how to get along with people, and chapter four, how to deal with hard things. So in chapter three, you talk about compromise, give someone the benefit of the doubt, be wrong, be right, argue persuade someone, be grateful. So what can you say about that chapter? I feel
0: like that chapter, it really gets at the heart of a lot of things that come up with, like I was saying about like people being, like their otherness being really hard to manage, where it's like, oh, we want different things. We think different things. We're approaching this problem in a different way. And so learning the skills where, Like, I love that Debbie did some of these illustrations as Venn diagrams. I think of that as the Venn diagram chapter where there's you and there's someone else. And your relationship is always going to be the place where you overlap. Those circles where you overlap, that's your relationship to that person. And it's not just you and it's not just them. And so I think of that chapter in my head. It looks like the whole chapter looks like a Venn diagram.
1: I love it. So in chapter four, how to deal with hard things, you talk about be embarrassed, apologize, forgive, be angry, say no, ask for help, shut down gossip, let a friend go, step back from a friendship. This is so important. This is such an important chapter. So what would you say about it?
0: So I feel like, you know, relationships Change and I thought a lot about being a middle schooler for that chapter. That feeling of especially those really complicated friendship things, gossip you know, the dealing with gossip, dealing with either wanting to be less close to someone or someone wanting to be less close to you. Those are authentic experiences. We have them as adults. Those do not, you don't outgrow those. I used to say to my kids when they were younger, you know, at the end of the day, all you can control is your own behavior. You'll go to bed having, if you've been your like most authentic, most gracious and empathic self, you'll feel okay eventually, you know, it's like, you'll get over it. You may hurt, you'll be in pain. It's okay. Like these are human experiences, but I think, you know, just how do we help kids navigate what are really difficult situations? And those I think of as, in some ways, the trifecta, that gossip, somebody dumping you and wanting to um, kind of move away from a friendship. Those are so difficult. So my hope was to break them into manageable skills and also just to keep reinforcing, like, you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. And you'll, you know, you, here are some ways to seek support. I also really want kids to draw on the resources that are already in their lives. How do you feel better when something bad happens to you? What are things you can do?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's because kids don't know these skills and hard things are going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like that should be in school, like how to deal with hard things course
0: right because
1: when you don't know what to do with it and hard things happen what happens is you hurt other people or you hurt yourself and that's what I see in my practice I bet you do you know you see the depressed kids or the kids that cut or the kids who isolate or the kids who bully and use social media but are shocked that they're bombarded by all their friends in the bathroom saying we hate you and you're not our friend it's not knowing what to do with the hard things that really causes pain and disconnection
0: oh my gosh that yes that and and that is continues to be true I mean yes no it's like informs foreign policy the fact that people don't know how to handle hard things I mean Truly, like, these are all the same life skills.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also think about your book is that in our culture today, where the value is so much on data points and making good grades, that these skills, which I think should be like number one, you know, they just assume you'll just pick it up.
0: Yeah, I know.
1: But like the your chapter on how to be supportive, how to be an ally, how to care for your community, are so important. The difficulty of middle school is just a constant. I mean, things change, but middle school is horrific for so many kids is a constant.
0: Yes, and the truth is, and I know, I'm sure you see this, the paradox is you can feel really disaffected You can feel like you don't matter, like there's nothing you can do to change the world. And of course, the antidote, one of the great antidotes, um, and I have seen this with my own kids, to anxiety and depression is activism. So incredibly, the more you are out in the world, either doing volunteer work, which is, I think, the most therapeutic thing. I feel like if I were like... If I had a mental health prescription, it would be like, go volunteer, get out of your head for two hours, you know, just deal with something like help other people in a way that just relieves you of the burden of your own self for a little while. It's so (laughs) exhausting to be a person. And then activism in the bigger sense, like what are the issues? What are the issues you care about them? Well, care about them, do something, write a letter, call your senators. Like kids, I think don't realize that even though, even if you're not a voting age, you actually still get to log in a call with your elected officials. They will Write your name down when you call. And I think that's so empowering and really an antidote to depression. Truly.
1: I love it. I agree. So what do you think is the most ideal way of using this book? Like if you could have your way and say this book would be best used in this situation.
0: I mean, I would say twin things when I wish it were like mandatory reading on the one hand, I would love to see it in schools or taken up even as like a curricular thing. I mean, this book or there are other better books like those books, but I also know because this is what happened with my other book. I know that parents, because parents are brilliant, are going to buy it and leave it around and not mention it, which I (laughs) love as a strategy. I'm already hearing a little of this of like, oh, I left it on my coffee table and my kid picked it up. And that is brilliant because your kids, like they are so sick of it. They don't want you to come at them with a wall of like opinion and lecture and like here's how to be. And so just like a little inviting book with really great illustrations and you can pick it up and put it down again. I hope there's some of that.
1: Yeah, I love that. Because I think if a parent waves the book in their face and you need to read this book, I know, they will mom, resist it. So yeah, I like yeah. the kind of leaving it around. Right. Yeah. Well, I know you have a busy schedule. Any last advice for the moms listening?
0: Mm. Oh, the moms. Just, oh my God, I love you. It's a hard time in the world. You're doing your best and- we're all in it together. <laughs> it's not really advice. It's just, I'm just feeling it. I really am. My kids are grown, but there are so many moms with young kids at home, and this is such a hard time, and it's going to get easier. That's my that's my thinking.
1: Ah, and you ended it with empathy. Very <laughs> congruent. <laughs> well, thank you, Catherine, so much. Ah,
0: thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure getting to talk to you.
1: Yes, I've enjoyed it. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere. You can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit C-SuiteRadio.com.